Today's reading will be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, starting from verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring him the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Take two. <laughs> um, Israel, God's chosen son, flagrantly sinned against its father for hundreds of years. That sin led them to go off away to a faraway foreign land and live in shame along with their sin outside of their father's presence. Israel had to serve foreign masters in a disgraceful position until they came to their senses and decided to try to follow God's law. Eventually, they were able to return to their homeland 
And God welcomed them in with open arms, running to meet them, forgiving all of their sins and giving them a place of honor, so that Israel would become the center of the whole world. But there was a people in that land, called the Samaritans, who weren't so happy that God had forgiven Israel. They felt that since they had came to live in the land of Israel, after they had went off to a faraway country in their sin, that now that land belonged to them. That's the story of the whole Old Testament, and it's also the story of the prodigal son. Just like the younger son in this story, Israel had been living in exile for hundreds of years, and it felt like God was not with them. But Jesus was saying that that return from exile was finally happening. The younger son, Israel, was coming back and all of his sins were forgiven. Israel, God's son, was, at, was, as the father said in the story, once dead, but now alive. Through Jesus' work, he was making a new people, the church, that was going to be all that Israel was ever supposed to be. Jesus was proclaiming that God was forgiving the world all its sins, and everyone who wants to can come in and be a part of that new kingdom that God was creating in their midst. All anyone would have to do to get forgiveness is simply to come home and experience God's grace. So if Jesus is telling the story of Israel in the prodigal son story, what that means is that all of Israel, in some sense, has to identify with the younger brother in this story. Because all of Israel had rejected God, they went off to some foreign land to serve some foreign ruler and came back in tears only to experience incredible forgiveness. The Pharisees can't say, oh, we've been good boys this whole time, because they are a part of the wayward people of Israel. Israel only really exists because of the kind of forgiveness that the father showed to the younger brother. Israel had been longing for centuries for God to forgive their sins and to come back in their midst. And Jesus was saying that it was actually happening right here, in the, right in his ministry. Well, the forgiveness of sins is finally here, Pharisees. Will you take it or not? Basically, the whole world is the younger brother. But some of us can really identify with the older brother in this story. Some of us can convince ourselves that we have been perfectly righteous this whole time and that we don't really need God's forgiveness. To those people, Jesus says, those that are well have no need for a physician but the sick. I did not come to save the righteous but sinners. So look up to the first two verses in this chapter, and you'll see something really important for understanding the parable. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words, this parable is being told to a bunch of people who had a point of view very similar to the older brother. These were the kinds of people that could convince themselves that they really didn't need God's forgiveness. And that's really important because a lot of times we spend our time really focused on the beautiful story about how the father welcomes his son back into his family and forgives him everything. And that's a good thing because it really is beautiful. But the point of the parable has everything to do with this older brother who isn't very happy that the father is forgiving the younger brother. He looks at this beautiful story and doesn't think it's beautiful at all. So if we're supposed to focus on the older brother, let's look at this whole thing from his perspective. At the beginning of the parable, Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. And the funny thing is that for almost the entire story, the only son that is mentioned is the younger one. 
you would be easily forgiven for forgetting that he had two sons until the older brother is finally mentioned in verse 25. And that's important because the older son really is forgotten the whole time. But you know the whole time he's watching, lurking in the background. He saw his younger brother completely disgrace the entire family. He saw the younger brother ask for his inheritance before his father had even died. In other words, he saw his younger brother basically say to his father, I wish you were dead. Now a normal father during this time, the kind of father the older brother probably wanted, would have said something like, no, are you crazy? Get out of my house, you ne you're never getting anything. And probably would have beat him. But out of incredible generosity, or what the older brother would have seen as weakness, he actually allows him to, save his, to have his money and to go away. Everyone in the whole village would be talking about them and how the younger brother had disgraced the entire family. But the younger brother apparently didn't care. It was the duty of the children to the family to take care of their father in their old ages. And the younger brother was leaving the older brother with that entire burden while also making out with all their money. Then the younger brother dares to actually come back to the village. And he's not doing it to make restitution for what he did, but just because he thinks he can get fed better as one of his father's workers. He's actually counting on the kindness of the family that he has just completely disgraced. He deserves to be cast out. He'd be wearing rags and the whole village would recognize him and think, what could he be doing here? And the father doesn't banish him, but actually allows him to be his son again. And he doesn't only allow him to be his son again, but he gives him a place of honor with a beautiful coat and a ring. And the father calls the whole village to come along and to witness the shame of his family. The older brother would see it all and would be fuming the whole time. Then finally, the older brother enters the narrative. And he's so completely lost in this beautiful dramatic story that when you're finally introduced to him, it says, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and, and dancing. Isn't that incredible? Nobody even thought to go out to the field and to find him and tell him the news. The only way he found out was by hearing the partying for his brother that he never got for himself. Everyone completely forgot about him. He has to grab a servant to ask what's ha happening, and the servant says, probably with a huge smile on his face, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And yeah, that would have to set him off. It's one thing to say that his brother returned, but the tone of the servant is far too happy if you're the older brother. He'd be saying, I've had to deal with this wreck of a family for years because of this guy. And you're going to come up to me all happy and say, aren't you glad? Your brother's here safe and sound. And that safe and sound would be a bit too much for me. Finally, you get to the older brother's speech. He's been a silent observer the entire time. And finally, we get to hear it from his point of view. He says, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me so much as a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. He's not even asking for the fatted calf that his brother got. He's just asking for a small goat. He was out dutifully doing the work of a son obeying every command and working in the field while his, this party was going on for his shameful younger brother. From my point of view, the older brother could be forgiven for being angry. And all this hoopla about the younger brother, he was completely forgotten. He had done everything right, or at least he thought so. 
the underbrother has ruined everything and he gets rewarded. But there's a reason that Jesus refers to the brothers as the older one and the younger one. It's some weighty language. He could have gave them names, but he calls them the older brother and the younger brother. In the Old Testament, there's tons of stories where God blesses and prefers the younger brother over and against the older brother. In the story of Cain and Abel, he prefers Abel. In the story of Isaac and Ishmael, Isaac is blessed. In the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob is blessed. In the story of Joseph and his brothers, Joseph is blessed. You get the point. God's chosen people are constantly running through the younger child, which is weird because in that culture, the oldest son was almost always the one that got preferred. What you see is that the older brother is in danger of becoming like Cain and Ishmael and Esau and Joseph's brothers. He's in danger of losing the blessing of the family of God because he is jealous. And you see little hints and references to this tradition all over the story. Cain was someone who worked the fields, and when he killed Abel, he did it by saying, let's go out to the field, my brother. The older brother in this story is also working in the fields when he hears that his brother that he's jealous of comes back. Just like Joseph, the younger brother in this story gets the most valuable robe in the entire house and is given pre special preference over the older brother. And just like the older brothers in the story of Joseph, the older brother in the story is wearing the cheap clothes of a farmhand. The caution that Jesus is giving to the Pharisees is, if you don't join in and party with me, you just might find yourself in the position of Ishmael or Esau, who ultimately weren't a part of the chosen family of God. You just might find yourself in the position of Pharaoh or the Samaritans, who were angry when they found out that the true people of God was returning to the promised land. The end of the exile was here, and it was fitting that we should all party about it. Because God was sending out his message of forgiveness everywhere, and all kinds of people were accepting it, especially the kinds of people who could really identify with the younger brother in this story. Everything that the Old Testament said would happen was happening. The true people of Israel was reforming into the church, and it was going to be everything that Israel was ever supposed to be. And the whole world was coming to see it. But in the opinion of the Pharisees, Jesus was doing it in all the wrong ways, and announcing the kingdom of God to all the wrong people. But Jesus' caution was an important one. God's purposes are being accomplished here. Get out of the way or jo and join it, or you'll find yourself in the same position as Ishmael or, or Esau or Pharaoh or the Samaritans, who weren't a part of the people of God in the end. The same goes for us. If we see God doing work in somebody's life, especially if we don't really like them, it's easy to believe that they're faking it, or they were too far gone. But we need to be really careful with that. God may be doing something big here. We had better at least get out of the way. The elder brother looks at his younger brother and thinks, he wants all the benefits of being a son with none of the duties. And he has a point. The younger brother has not acted like a son should. The older brother has. And yet the younger brother is honored here. A son takes care of his father in his old age in this culture, not the other way around. A son works dutifully and obeys his father. A son honors his father so that the whole village sees him as blessed. He doesn't bring shame on his father. That's unthinkable. The younger brother is not acting like a son to the point that the older brother is probably hoping that the father will say, you are not my son. You can say, see it in the words that the older brother uses. I've done all this stuff for you, 
But when this son of yours came, he can't even stomach saying, my brother. That's too much for him. And you can hear the dripping sarcasm in his voice, this son of yours, as if he's blaming his father for his brother's existence and for the shame that he brought on the family. And again, he has a point. The family wouldn't have been shamed if he threw the younger brother out when he had the chance. The younger brother before might have been saying, I wish you were dead. But now the older brother is practically saying it himself. He's not acting like his son should, even as he takes pride in the way that he had done it before. He's basically saying, this family ain't big enough for the two of us. If my brother is what a son looks like to you, then I guess I'm not your son. Again, notice the words that the father uses when he responds to the oldest brother. The very first word that he uses is son. Even as the older brother is telling him off to his face and not acting like a son should, the father still manages to call him son. In other words, he's saying that the same forgiveness that was given to the younger brother is on offer to the older brother too. The older brother can continue to be a son if he wants to just like the younger brother was able to go back to being a son when he returned. But there's a catch. He says, this your brother was dead and is now alive. The older brother refused to call the younger brother his brother, but now the father insists on it. In other words, if you want to be called my son, you'd better be able to recognize that this man is your brother. Remember this, there is only one family of God. We don't all get our own family of God. There are no only children in God's family. If you are a son or daughter of God, it's true that you have a wonderful, intimate relationship with God all by yourself. But it also means that every other son or daughter of God is necessarily your brother or sister. God has one family, and there are no only children. It's beautiful that we're all together in this family, But that means that if we want to be a family, we're going to need to act like a family. You can't leave a brother or sister behind and stop hanging out with them because it's not convenient. That's not what a family does. We can't move out and start our own family when things get tough. Our denominations are splitting, and we have to be able to forgive each other because that's what family does. Because if we want to be a son or daughter of God, We have to be a brother or sister to our siblings. There's only ever one question that is relevant to our churches about who we keep fellowship with. Is this person my brother or sister in Christ? There's no question about what a person or group has done in the past, or whether they agree with us about a certain issue, or even even if we enjoy being around them. The question isn't even, are they Methodist or are they brethren? The only question is, are they my brother or sister in Christ? And yeah, that can make living together kind of complicated, but that doesn't matter. We're family. We don't just break that. And if someone we don't particularly like has the spirit of God, we are obligated to celebrate with them. It is necessary for us to celebrate and be glad. How could we do otherwise? Our brother or sister was dead and is alive again. Listen to the stories of the people sitting next to you. You can hear the words of their father in this story over and over every time they tell it. This year, brother or sister was dead and is alive again. How can you not celebrate? It's a miracle. Remember that this whole dispute started because Jesus was partying with tax collectors and sinners. 
Right here, we have an insight into what Jesus was doing by partying here. When Jesus was feasting with all the wrong people, with all the younger brothers of the world, he was celebrating that the long-awaited forgiveness of God that he had on offer was finally here. He had made himself the son of God, and it was necessary that he should party. Because all over the place, people that were dead were coming back to life. These, his brothers and sisters, were dead, and they were alive again. What else could he do? He was obligated to celebrate. But the story ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? What happens next? Does the older brother reconcile with the father and go into the party and forgive his brother? Or does he stay out and sulk while his father leaves him there? Does the older brother renounce his father just like the younger brother did before? We don't know because Jesus doesn't tell us. But that's on purpose. Cliffhangers are useful because they tell us to fill in the gaps ourselves with what we would do in the situation. We participate in the storytelling. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, look, right now you're in the position of the older brother. God's servant is here telling you that his son is, was dead and is alive again. I am partying with all of these younger brothers, and you can either come in and join the party, or you can stay out and sulk. God has forgiven all these people, and so have I. So will you? But keep in mind, if you want to continue to be a son of God, you'll have to recognize your brother. After the service, we'll eat downstairs together as a united, forgiven church, just like Jesus ate with all these forgiven tax collectors and sinners. And we do that because we are celebrating that miracle of miracles. We have all come back to be part of the family of God. We have all sinned and brought shame to our Father in heaven. But our Father simply bore that shame on the cross and ran to meet us anyway. And every time we eat together, it's a part of you celebrating that we are all one big happy family again. It's easy to forget sometimes that we have all at some point or another been the younger brother. People might grumble, but it is necessary that we should celebrate and be glad. For these, our brothers and sisters were dead and are now alive. They were lost and now are found. Everywhere we go, the dead are coming back to life. And all we have to say is, don't you just want to join the party? Let's pray. Almighty God, you have brought us back to life by the power of your son's resurrection. Knit us together in the unity of your Holy Spirit so we may feast and celebrate that these our brothers and sisters were dead and are alive again. And so that the world might see what it looks like to live in a forgiven community. As one short church, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.